Chapter Seven of David Ransom's Watch by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: To Look Backward. To say that the neighborhood and surrounding country were astonished when they heard of Miss Hannah Stearns's determination to adopt a child is to put it mildly. The whole country simply seethed with it and the substantial old town residents who had always known the Stearns family were also interested. Opinions differed, of course, with regard to it. There were those who laughed and those who sneered. An old maid undertaking to bring up a child. Were there not avenues enough for her eccentricities without going out of her way to that extent? There were those who pitied the child, and who did not hesitate to say plainly that a decently managed orphan asylum would be more comfortable for him than would the hourly espionage of a cranky old maid like Miss Hannah. "'Poor baby,' said the gay girls, and shrugged their shoulders. "'Little he knows what he is coming to. He will have to eat and sleep and even cry by rule.' "'Cry!' one exclaimed. Do you imagine for a moment that Miss Hannah will allow crying? I hope the poor mother doesn't know up in heaven what is to become of her baby. There were others who said that the baby was to be congratulated, of course, but they pitied poor Miss Hannah, who did not know what she had undertaken. Even a reasonably good and quiet child could drive a woman like her, all unused to children, to utter distraction and if the child had inherited the Kingsbury temper, she would have a sweet time with him. Then someone made haste to say that the Stearns temper could match the Kingsbury any day, when it was once roused, and that perhaps it would be a case of Greek joining Greek. Between them all, the prospects of a quiet life for either Miss Hannah or the baby were not flattering. But Miss Hannah went quietly on her way, she was not ignorant of the talk that floated about her, but she was, as usual, indifferent to it. She kept her own counsel completely. Only the trusted Miranda, who had long before said no to as earnest a wooing as was ever made, apparently for the sole purpose of remaining with Miss Hannah, being aware of the day and hour when the baby might be expected to arrive at the farm. It was but the evening before his expected coming that Miss Hannah, believing everything to have been done that should be done in her outside world, locked the door of her large, clean, dreary room upon herself for a special purpose. Those three adjectives, by the way, might have been applied to every room in the Stearns' house, large, clean, and dreary. Miss Hannah was dimly aware that the sense of homely cheer which used to pervade the atmosphere had slipped away. She had never for a moment owned to herself that a subtle sense of loss in this direction might have been one of the motives which prompted her to her new departure. Four years before this date her father had gone suddenly out from her life, affording the daughter, who had given herself for him, almost no opportunity for the dutiful and tender ministrations to which she had looked forward. She did not understand until afterwards that her heart had really hungered for the time when her father should cease to be chiefly interested in crops and tenants and investments, and would be dependent upon her, 
not only for his daily comforts but for his interests they had not been demonstrative as a family hannah had rarely kissed her father and even her mother who had been always gentler and less vigorous than the father had been sparing of caresses growing up in this atmosphere hannah had not known that she had missed anything until one evening long ago when ben ransom boldly kissed her she had felt the color flame out on her cheeks and creep up over her forehead and he had laughed and asked her what was the matter and had kissed her again and no human being had known or she believed ever would know what those kisses and caresses became to her she had lived upon them fed her memory with them during that three months absence from home and hungered for them on her homecoming in a way that bewildered herself this until that november morning now long past in which she had stood and watched those kisses being given under the elm tree it was then that her own had turned to ashes she had folded over that page in her life after that day she had resolutely given herself anew and without any reservation to her father and grandmother from that hour she had told herself that they should be her world and then her father had said to her one evening as the clock struck nine good night hannah in his usual kind friendly tone and before nine of the following evening had whispered with utmost difficulty good-bye hannah and had gone away forever barely six months from that day the grandmother on whom was to have been lavished all the thought and care intended for two had sickened and after a sharp illness of less than a week's duration when she did not know who ministered to her or care indeed if there was ministry she too went away and miss hannah was alone in the world she stayed alone she and miranda contrary to the advice of all her friends and they said that she had grown both queer and hard under the ordeal on that last evening she had simply smiled on miranda's earnest petition that she would go to bed early because she looked all tuckered out and ought to be good and fresh for to-morrow and had told her she would not be long and then had locked her door and brought out on her table a little wooden box painted black and locked with a padlock it contained a few of the keepsakes of her meagre barren life just why she felt that to-night she must go over them and put them away she could not have told she had a feeling that she was ushering herself into a new world with the morrow's changes and that all the old life must be put away but that of course was absurd when it was only a baby of less than three years who was coming it was a small box and the first thing she took from it was a package of letters from the young man who had gone to china and thence to heaven she had meant to keep him in mind and do for him and his but the young wife had died also and there were no children why had she kept his few eager letters written before he had quite given up the hope of taking her to china with him she told herself that she simply had not taken time to go over her boxes and not that it was because that particular box held skeletons of her girlhood from which the middle-aged woman shrank 
she dropped the package of foreign letters into her waste-basket without even untying it then came a few letters from that friend who had gone west to seek his fortune and of whom she had lost all trace she smiled as the handwriting recalled the youthful face she wondered how he looked at forty-five younger than she probably much younger women aged early and then she sighed what a pity she had not kept track of him if he married a good woman she might have had a friend what was this why was it possible she had laid that photograph away it must have been slipped in among some letters unnoticed certainly she had not meant to hoard ray prescott's picture it was a good face though it scarcely did him justice ray prescott had a face that was worthy of remembrance the middle-aged woman held his shadow thoughtfully and realized as she had not at the time that she had been hard on him it was during the winter following ben ransom's marriage with the girl lucy that she had met him a young minister who was supplying a vacant pulpit in a neighboring town and who had brought a letter of introduction to her father from an old college friend her father who was not well that winter and who missed much of his outdoor life had hailed the coming of a new face with keen pleasure and had speedily grown fond of mr prescott for her father's sake hannah had been hospitable and always glad to see him but no thought of herself had entered into the acquaintance which grew rapidly into friendship when at last he made his earnest plea that the young woman who had been so heartily interested in all his plans for work should join her life to his and work with him she was not only astonished but fairly irritated her negative reply was emphatic and sharp why need he spoil her father's comfort in his society by such utter folly she had never for a moment dreamed of such a result had it come to pass that a young woman could not have a masculine acquaintance without his thinking she wanted to marry him moreover what had become of his good sense did he not know that she was older than he no man in his senses should choose a woman who was his senior it was contrary to nature and always she believed ended in misery the young man who knew nothing about ben ransom and the sore and wounded heart which hannah stearns carried about with her because of him was both pained and puzzled over the sharpness of her manner he tried to tell her that there could be at the most but a few months difference in their ages he was not young had he not told her early in their acquaintance how he had four years before buried the wife of his youth in a few months he would be thirty-two she interrupted him to say sharply that she was thirty-two months ago and that she did not believe in any such nearness of age in marriage he ought to choose a wife who was at least five years his junior in any case whether he found her or not it would make no difference to hannah stearns she could not marry him under any circumstances could not be persuaded to change her mind if he waited a dozen years it would make no difference she should never marry she had settled that matter once for all and she had been so evidently annoyed by the whole matter that self-respect had made it necessary for the minister to retire with what dignity he could 
Hannah Stearns, the woman of forty, still holding the photograph, had the grace to be ashamed of herself for the manner of her refusal. I might have kept him for a friend, she said aloud with a sigh, and then poor father would not have had to miss him so much those last years of his life. Father could not understand why he did not come to see us occasionally, even after he went several hundred miles away. It was good in him to keep up the correspondence as long as father lived. He was a good man. I don't mind keeping his picture. I'll put it down in the sitting-room with the others. I'm sure I don't know how it ever got into this box. I wonder what sort of a woman he married, and if she is still living and has children. I might have had her for a friend, I presume, if I had not been so sharp and foolish. Why, here is a copy of a poem that Harlan Kingsbury made for me. Poor Harlan! She glanced through the neatly written pages, not giving her thought to the poem so much as to the one who had copied it. What a nice boy Harlan was! Would he like it if he knew that she was going to take his child to bring up? Or would he say, as she knew the neighborhood was saying, What does an old maid know about bringing up children? She did not blame them. It was a strange freak for her. She did not fully understand why she was doing it. The boy, Harlan, had been in their family for a single winter, and had then and afterwards bestowed upon her the sort of worshipful friendship which young men of his type like to give to good women much older than themselves. He had made her his confidant in his somewhat sorrowful love affair, and she had meant to be a good friend to his wife. But it chanced that Harlan had married during that spring when Hannah was completely absorbed in her own affairs, and in the bitterness of the autumn and winter that followed, she had let all trace of him slip away. Was her reaching after his baby a sort of atonement to the boy, Harlan, for forgetting him? If the child had had decent relatives to do for him, she said with her usual crispness, I don't suppose I should have interfered. But I was so indignant over that orphan asylum business, there didn't seem to be anything else to do. The box was almost empty. Miss Hannah reached down for the few remaining papers, a keen sense of satisfaction possessing her over the thought that she had now safely emptied and put away one more article that might have haunted her with memories. She was prepared to turn over a new leaf and begin life afresh. Her hand among the papers came in contact with something cold and hard, and she drew from it as suddenly as if it had stung her. She knew what the hard thing was, a bit of coral broken off from a larger piece. Instantly she was back in the large, old-fashioned parlor that used to be cheery and was now always filled with shadows. She sat in the straight-backed chair, the one she had given to Mrs. Austin, and Ben Ransom stood by the mantelpiece playing with a piece of coral and breaking it and it was the evening of the day in which he had stood with Lucy under the elm-tree. All the stretch of intervening years was gone. As young as she was on the morning of that day, when she stood in the dining-room watching Ben Ransom, as he, unconscious of her gaze, made friendly chat with Lucy, all her heart had gone out to him that morning. She had believed that, in the kindness of his heart, 
he was detaining himself to put a little good cheer into lucy's life and she had admired him for it oh no no indeed she was old old and gray and hard as old as she had felt when she saw his arm go around lucy's waist and his lips press close to hers she knew that from that moment she became an old woman and the old woman knew then and knew it eight years afterwards that all the wealth of love which she could have lavished upon husband and home and family had been wasted upon ben ransom poured out and lost poor miss hannah how can it be accounted for that there is every once in a while a royal soul who wastes a wealth of love upon an unworthy object why for instance could not miss hannah's heart have been kept for that young minister ray prescott who stood ready to give her royally and loyally all that there was in a sweet strong soul instead of lavishing it upon a man who even with an undivided heart would have had one all too small to receive such wealth yet that there were many miss hannahs and ben ransoms yes and lucy's peopling the world with mistakes and at best only half-way homes one who is even a casual observer will be compelled to admit End of chapter seven